Good morning, people of the internet. You're listening to Debbie Radio 79.5 FM, a podcast where we discuss the movie Gross Point Blank one minute at a time. I'm your co-host, Hugh David. And I'm your other co-host, Dev. And on today's show, we are going to be looking at minute 38, where Martin talks about himself feeling temporary and uh, making sure that uh, Paul is completely unable to close on this deal. <laughs> And joining us all this week, uh, as he, uh, if you've been listening to us for the last couple of episodes, you've been listening to the wonderful voice of David Brooke of Blueprint Review and DTV Productions. Welcome again, David. Hello. <laughs> Glad to be How, here. Excellent. How are you, sir? You well? Not bad, not bad at all. Fantastic. So, uh, we were talking about, uh, in the last uh, minute, we were discussing the arrival of the uh, local security guy, uh, to interrupt the deal, except uh, Martin uh, rec- and him recognize each other and have a conversation. But now is the point where this is all going to go horribly wrong for Paul. Poor old Paul. I I find the the framing of this is interesting, and I think it's in part just to facilitate the introduction of Terry into the the scene. But mm. I can't think of a neighborhood like this ever spending any amount of time out front of a house i don't think anybody really does that right like Mm -hmm. you're either in the house or in the backyard and Mm -hmm. i feel like if you're showing the house everybody would be inside having these conversations um Mm -hmm. and i totally get why he pulled over right like there's this weird guy in front of the house who's who's loitering in front of houses like this Mm, um i suppose but it does it does frame this like conversation it it builds that awkwardness because you're in this like between space where you normally don't ever spend time you're either in the process of leaving or in the process of arriving um but it, it yeah it just it, it it sets a weird tone for this minute and we're gonna kind of double down on that weirdness i think as we go through this minute mm, mm, mm. well you're talking about the framing i mean <clears throat> The other thing is, uh, I said last minute about the composition, and and that continues here. You know, whereas before we had uh, uh, Paul and the couple in the background, and we had Martin and Terry in the foreground. Now, what happens is we have the switch over, and actually, it's the Detroit, so the the, the, the Grass Point Blank Michigan boys in one frame, and then we cut to the, a the interlopers coming in from I guess Chicago or wherever to buy this, and Paul who has clearly decided to move to the other side, so to speak. You know, he's gone to the devil. And, and and I can never work out in this minute if Martin is being sincere in saying what he's saying, given we, the guy we've come to know who is in, you know, dealing with his own traumas and his own background and all the rest of it and goes to see the therapist, or whether he is winding up his pal the way I imagine they would have done back in the day. I feel like... I mean, I don't know. I just don't get it. I don't get anything about this this dialogue. Oh, really? It, Martin, in every other scene of the film, Martin has problems, but he's usually pretty erudite, pretty pithy. He's he, he's pretty charismatic. You know, he he's he's always had that right. Like his his teacher looks back at him with fondness. He's he's a guy that's pretty well liked, and in the. It, his 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 dialogue here just misses the mark in pretty much every way. Um, I, 
I think for me though, in, in the way I kind of read this this moment is is um, I think he's trying to, in my mind, he's trying to back up his his friend Paul's yeah like like BS kind of story to um to try and sell the house for them. And but the thing is, I think that's the thing with Martin. Although he's very witty, he's very erudite, as you say, he's but he's tends to be no nonsense. He doesn't really he tends to speak the truth in in a way. As I say, in, in Throughout the film, he tells people that he's a hitman, and and uh, which normally people probably wouldn't tell, say that. And um, I, I, why, in my mind, it feels as though he's trying to do that kind of sales spiel, but he can't. It's just not him. He's it's not his personality. Um, and the way they kind of pitch, obviously, as you say, they they pitch the characters. They look so different as well. You've got this super perfect kind of couple, white shirts on. Um, he's got a hand on the shoulders, kind of a loving, loving, typical Ameri- all American couple, and then Martin's all in black sunglasses. <laughs> <laughs> and I think, yeah, I think the whole idea of this is just to show how different he is from these kind of normal um, uh, Americans. It's uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think there is, you know, maybe an element here of of him trying to discover what what he should be looking for in life right like he's he's you know the 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 thing that everybody gets taught is you know you you find a partner you settle down in a house in the suburbs like that's the that's the thing to do Mm -hmm. um and you're right like it's definitely him trying to project that but it just it it feels weird to me it doesn't feel like it's a a sincere effort even when you know you talk uh, the sales pitch side of things like he ends up having to sell dr oatman on continuing to hear him right and and he 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 pulls that off um he does that out of fear though that's the thing i think (laughs) yeah there is yeah that's that's fair and again through the truth i think uh, i don't know yeah um but I, I, in answer to your earlier, earlier question, Hugh, I don't think this was done intentionally to try and mess up the sale or to like, you know, mm-hmm. it's not a, a schoolyard prank. I don't, I don't feel like these two are at that point in their life anymore okay. where that's the kind of stunt they pull. I think we definitely meet characters at the reunion who are in that at that point. Yeah, still. yeah, yeah. Um, uh, one of them actually call, is one of the callers into the radio station um oh, yeah. as well right mm, mm, um mm. so but it doesn't feel right for these characters yeah no that that's fair i just thought i'd i'd, I'd raise it because I, I i've never yeah. again you know we've talked about in previous episodes both with yourself david and with others we've talked about tone and the way this film you know adjusts and uh massages together various types of genres and aspects of genres as well as the tones that can be applied to them and um that was always this is possibly the one part of the film where i was always a little bit like hmm, is it is it not um <clears throat> but yeah no now you guys say it i'm thinking sincerity is is the key failed sincerity poorly delivered sincerity yeah <laughs> but yes yeah, sincerity nevertheless yeah, I think the problem I had more with this scene is is where it goes just after this is is um is is where the blame gets shifted for the couple running away. It gets shifted to um, Terry, yes. and uh, yeah. and then it just makes this that whole bit just makes Paul seem really nasty. And and I don't know if I feel that anywhere else in the film. I think it, it just seems out of touch for him. I don't really have a problem with Martin's kind of involvement in this scene and what mm-hmm. happened to him. I kind of like those that his little. 
uh, what he said then. But um, but yeah, I, I think for me, it's the kind of sudden nastiness towards Terry. It just seems a bit, I don't know. It didn't add anything to me. It seems a bit out of nowhere. I don't know if it's just playing with that idea of maybe Paul is still a bit back in his high school days bullying. Yeah, this guy I think so. Yeah, I guess. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, that is the point of it, really. But that makes I don't sense. know. It, it didn't. It, I don't know, but it, it, that that was what jarred to me more than kind of Martin kind of mucking up the um, mm. uh, the sale in the house. I think there's there is uh, it's definitely that that harking back to the the high school thing. I I, I think that it's it's not just here; it's at several points in the film. Paul is always that like slightly insecure, slightly yeah. sycophantic friend of the cool guy, and mm-hmm. is always like wanting to prove that right you know he he drives by debbie's house and he help ultimately helps out with the body and 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 things like that but it's also like the protectiveness of his position and the insecurity when there's someone else that martin was also friendly with kind of Mm. seeming to usurp that position that's that's the impression i get but it does definitely give a suddenly dark tone to to paul's character which does make him much more interesting much less (laughs) two-dimensional True. Yeah. I mean, the other thing I get is it's also an interesting way of filling in what things are like when while Martin's been away, and that, as you guys say, the dynamic has not shifted nearly as far from high school days as you'd think between Paul and Terry. But also, it's interesting to note that I think, I, I mean, it's quite, you know, we get this like, the impression of how often has this happened between them? Like, Paul's obviously there in the, you know, he's a real estate guy, he sells stuff in this area. I can imagine how irritating it must be to have this guy turn up every time you're trying to do a sale. And they're like, but why at, is this security here? At the same time, Terry makes a really good point. He is more part of the neighborhood than Oh yeah. No, than I'm, Paul I'm, is, right. You know, yeah, absolutely. It, That's the it point, does feel it? like there's yeah, there's depth to this this antagonism and you know, I think it it, it it's more emphasis on that that, you know, growing divide. You know the, yeah, the, yeah, the yeah. haves and the have-nots, and uh, mm. it builds on that. And I think it, it it highlights that whereas Martin is is kind of living largely outside of this world because of what mm-hmm. he does and because of the route that he took, mm-hmm. Paul and Terry have have fallen straight into this dichotomy. They're they're stuck in this rut. They're seeing everything yeah. it, through that lens. Yeah. Um, and you you get to be with Martin. You get to maybe sit outside it a little bit and watch it unfold and see just how ugly it is that that this is the world that's kind of come about as a result of you know economic changes in the 80s and 90s mm, mm, yeah and and i would argue that he doesn't i until now given the job he does and, and the world he works and i wonder how much he's noticed those changes you know i wonder if this is his first time really kind of letting, it, it all comes home for him and for yeah, him, you know yeah yeah, it does all seem he seems kind of alien to it all in a way, it's, uh, <laughs> and vice versa. I mean, he's good word alien for this yeah. context, isn't it? He is kind of like that. He's a bit, a little bit man, you know, a man from a uh, man who fell to earth, isn't yeah. he? A little bit of that. Yeah. The, the, the way he's, yeah. his, his posture and his height and the way he dresses and the way he leans in as well is like okay, <laughs> this is interesting. It's, it's, um, this isn't in this minute, really. I think it was, it was in, uh, but you can see it in a lot of the other ones. Is I love in the film the constant twitchiness, like he's always got his hand near his like holster or something and it's constantly on edge. It's a nice little yeah. touch. And, and yeah. Dan Aykroyd as well. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah. Although he overplays it a bit more, as, as we mentioned last, yeah, on the other episode. It is fun, so much fun. I mean, this, these are exactly the things that 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 keep the, the the film working for us. I think, even in these weirder moments. Yeah, yeah. I kind of i I wonder what the other takes of this scene look like. Um, yeah. yeah, I think for for most of most of the movie, I'm fairly comfortable with the 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 take that was chosen for the final cut. It feels mm-hmm. great uh, and enjoyable, and I. I'm not sure that there is a better take of this scene. I think it it may just be the nature of the scene itself and and what's written in and kind of maybe even what what Armitage was was trying to get out of the scene. Mm. Um, But it does feel kind of weird. The the camera work in this this scene is also really interesting, right? Mm. Martin is always, always, you know, kind of a head above all of the other heads in in every shot. Yep. He's always, you know, it's again underscoring that standing apart um, nature of it, and um, you know this this weird scene towards the end of the minute where you know we talk about Paul and Paul dressing down Terry and kind of ripping into him, and and the way that Martin stands in the background, like watching him in that minute is it's very weird. Like he's he's kind of there, but he's not engaged particularly. He's mm-hmm. just. He's spectating he's... casually, like it, yeah. it, something's mm. going on in front of him, but he's not. It's not like he's watching what's going on. Or there's a moment you know. where he gestures and tries to get involved, but then he kind of just leaves it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he doesn't really know what to do. No, that's true. He, he, <clears throat> well, it, it is half the fun of this film. Is it, it is the way he is just out of his depth. Just does not know what he's like. There are times when he's just does not know what he's doing and that's the fun of it isn't it the instead of the the the, the 90s you know hitman movie thing where the guy's out of his depth in other ways this is the, the comedy version the oh look normal life is not what you understand or how it works <laughs> and normal dynamics do not make sense to you yep yep um yeah i mean for me i also i honestly feel like this film would have lost nothing by cutting this scene mm. um i there's nothing there's some interesting commentary. We, you know, we've we've had plenty of material to talk about the last couple of minutes, um, mm-hmm. in terms of of the subtext of the film. Mm-hmm. But as a film, if this minute was cut, if instead of you know, getting a little bit ahead, but the conversation that's going to happen right at the top of the next minute, which I think is a little bit important for their relationship, that could have happened when they were getting into the car on Main Street, right? Like right after they're talking mm-hmm. about Bob DeStefano. And then they mm. could have moved on to the other things and, and they could have mm. just been cruising like they probably did when they were in high school. Um, yeah. I I really don't think that would have particularly changed the film. We would have missed out on Terry Rothstein and, and I think he's a, an entertaining character later on in the film for, mm. for the couple of moments that we see him. But Well, given he's a producer and a writer, I think... <laughs> Probably that's probably why the scene stayed in. Yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah, 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 absolutely. And I think there, are, you know, there are some other merits to the to the scene in terms of, you know, Paul has kind of made it by by the standards of you know where he lives, but he's also not at the top of his game there, right? Like he's still oh, God, growing. Man. He's he's ten years out of high school, and he's not just like hardcore ABC, right? Like this mm-hmm. is this is not. Uh, you know, Glengarry Glen Ross. This is not like 
the 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 peak of realty this is yeah jobbing it right like still learning still growing still getting better at it um yeah and so it sets him in the yeah so I was just a bit of a ta- tangential thing, but it's just when you mentioned the 10 years, there's one thing I've got to get off my chest is you probably talked about this already, but um, I, I, surely they could, should have made it like 15 or 20 years because nobody looks like they're only 10 years out of high school in this film. <laughs> nobody is 28 in this film. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose that's, but maybe, I mean, yeah, that's kind of movie appropriate though, isn't it? Yeah, like nobody true, went, true. Maybe or it's everyone a who, yeah, everyone who would have been that the age they would think they were at high school in the movies. <laughs> I was going to say, actually, John Cusack was doing teen movies when he was, he was. way too old anyway. So actually, yeah, I guess that. Yeah. But it always bothered me. It's like, t- watching it again recently, I was like, hang on, how old are these guys supposed to be? It's like, they look my age almost. <laughs> I mean, if this, if this was off the back of Say Anything, it makes perfect sense, right? Yeah, true. <laughs> um, um, yeah definitely. Uh, I, I mean, let's be honest, at least the people who are cast and are in the reunion are playing 10 years older and not having to play 10 years younger. <laughs> well, I mean, it could be a very, as I mentioned, very meta thing, because John Cusack didn't. He was known for doing this kind of teen comedy oh, yeah. thing. So I, I guess it's, uh, yeah, it must be, I, I wonder if he actually, the whole point of him doing this film is kind of uh, referencing that. I don't know if you've discussed this already, but... Um... I mean, I we kind of touched there on it. There is definitely kind of a connection there. Mm, yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, we, we touched this, on it a few times. Yeah, this yeah. kind of functional hypothesis: if you've got say anything, ten years later you go into this, and then eventually you get to the war ink uh, yeah. kind of complete disillusionment, lack of subtlety and storytelling piece. But but um, also that's like the fun of it, right? Like like the fun of films for us people like us is not is never just the film as it happens on the screen at the time. Yes, that's part of it. But we also like seeing stuff like this, where there's an interrelationship between an actor who's actually savvy enough to know what their public image is and then mess with it or play with it. It's like, this is the same time period where Tom Cruise is doing like his cameo in Magnolia. Right. And stuff like that. And then we're only a few years off Tropic Thunder, but like he's like from the same era as Cusack and the same sort of films, but he's now transitioned into major blockbusters. He's got, you know, there's by this point, he's got two Mission Impossibles on his belt, etc. But he still takes the time out to go. I know what people expect of me. And I'll deliver that, but I also want to be able to show, remind people, like I got an Oscar, right? You know, I can do these other things, and I and I think that is always for me part of the pleasure. Um, <clears throat> I I like to see films in which you cast people, um, not just because of who they are and what they can do, but of who they've been. I think I think I think it's an important uh, visual shorthand for the audience when you yep. cast somebody who is well known for certain things either because you want them to play against type, Henry Fonda and Once Upon a Time in the West, or because you want them to play two type. And I and yep. I think that's kind of like what we're just what we're getting at here is is Cusack's self un, self comprehension and self referentiality as an actor. Um the fact that this is his first one as a producer as well as a co writer speaks volumes to me about how he perceives himself. This was minute 38 of the Gross Point Blank podcast, Debbie Radio 79.5 FM, featuring your hosts, co-writers, and co-producers, myself, Dev Sodega, and my buddy, Hugh David. Today's guest has been, and all this week has been, David Brooke. David, where can people find you on the internet? Uh, yeah, they can find me at blueprintreview.co.uk. 
and through there you can find us on facebook and twitter or x and uh, yeah please get in touch and uh, follow what we're doing fantastic so you can also find us in the same places youtube twitter aka x spotify and wherever you're listening to us at this t- moment uh in all cases our handle is at debbie radio d-e-b-i radio and our own website is also debbie once again d-e-b-i radio and if you want to talk about the movie uh share things with us give your input you can do that on our facebook listeners group that is Debbie Radio 79.5 FM Fan Club. Again, D-E-B-I. Sure was clear that all of this was new. Concentrating hard like a little girl. Smoking for the first time. It wasn't a moment. It was a feeling of mood.